Welcome to today's episode. I'm back in Central Park. I've been traveling. Let's talk about how to stay positive. Um, yesterday, if you follow me on Instagram, somebody sent me a video question, which was, it was funny, he was actually inside of a tractor. or And he said, what do you do when life literally and metaphorically drops a tree on you? And he had like a tree that had dropped on his, uh, on his tractor. And I said, here's my answer to both the metaphor and the practical. What do you do when life sucks, kind of? Um, Here's my answer to when life sucks. First of all, one time I had a bobcat, oh, I have a bobcat on one of my farms in Virginia. And uh, I was clearing brush around around the pond it's actually a lake. It's like a 10 acre lake I have. And the ground gave way and my bobcat like tipped into, fell into the lake. It's actually, if you don't know what you're doing, it's somewhat dangerous because if it's deep, you can sink. And if you don't know that you can kick the back window out, you can basically die. So uh, luckily the water wasn't deep where I, where I was, but this bobcat was smashed uh, into the mud. It had like face forward, and you cannot pull a bobcat out. They weigh, you know, a ton or two. So it's kind of like a tree falling on you. And I wasn't that excited because I needed to do what I was doing. So here was my answer to the guy on Instagram. Metaphorically and literally, what did I do when this thing sucked? I went and I got a bigger tractor. I have a big John Deere tractor. I took a chain, I hooked it up to the smaller bobcat tractor And I pulled it out in one second, literally like in one second, it pulled out because something strong can easily pull out something not as strong, right? So my answer to him metaphorically was, look, when you're not as strong for whatever reason, you have to have a social circle that pulls you out. There's a big myth that people, entrepreneurs, especially by the way, if you're trying to make a lot of money because everybody's trying to make money in the world. So it's a, it's a real competitive environment and you're going to probably have a lot of disasters on your way and not just making money but also just life in general so you got to find people that are like the equivalent of that big tractor you're the little bobcat small tractor and every time you fall in a ditch they pull you out that's my best advice to staying positive and you know there's all kinds of things people do nowadays you have medications for depression anxiety and uh you know i'm not a doctor so i'm not gonna give an opinion on I know it's controversial. Some people say you should definitely use medication and it's not overprescribed and a lot of people think it is overprescribed. And uh, I try not to speak on what I don't know, but I will tell you this, that whether you're on medication or not, whether you're all natural into meditation, whether you are, you know, love taking your daily meds for your anxiety and depression, nothing works better in my experience than my social circle. So if you have the right social circle, you could use it in conjunction with anything else you're doing. And I think one of the dangers in the modern world, you know, I like the meditation apps like Calm and Headspace and that, but the problem is it basically is, is preaching a message, message that the way to get your out, yourself into a happier state is just to go inward. And you know, Sigmund Freud, the, founder of modern psychology and of the concept of subconscious, 
He spoke to this in this book, my favorite book that's ever been written. This is called Civilization is Discontents. And in the second, third chapter, he talks about how there's about eight ways, strategies, people try to overcome life's troubles. So he basically breaks it down. He's very intelligent. A lot of people will tell you Sigmund Freud's outdated, but trust me, I've read a lot of books. He's the smartest person I've ever read in terms of just, you know, I don't know if he's smarter than Stephen Hawking. I've read Stephen Hawking, but he strikes me as the most profound person, and he keeps things simple, which one of the one of the ways that you know somebody's a true genius is they could take super complicated things and make them simple, like Einstein took physics and relativity and just was like, e equals mc squared, which is a pretty complex concept made pretty easy. So Sigmund Freud talked about the reason we get sad, depressed, lose motivation, unhappy, for three main reasons. One is the death and decay of the body, meaning every day past about <laughs> 10 years old, 12 years old, your body kind of goes backwards. You know, your stem cell, you have less stem cells when you're 25 than you do when you're, you know, one years old. So just biologically, a lot of stuff's going on. People get diagnosed with cancer at all ages. People get, get uh, you know, you're, you pull a muscle, you see pro basketball players that are all excited, they have million dollar contracts and they tear their ACL. So that's the, you know, A, the reason we lose happiness is because just your body is a finite thing and it falls apart. So you're gonna have to learn to cope with it. And then secondly, is you have um, the forces of nature, meaning you're asleep, there's, an, there's a hurricane hits your house and like, half your family dies or a torn when I was growing up there was a tornado in Raleigh North Carolina and it just like wiped through the city so it has nothing to do with your body it's just the forces of nature make people depressed a lot of people I was just reading an article about Africa and places where there's a lot of people but there's massive environmental issues people have no water you know so that's you're not gonna be that motivated in life if you have to spend six hours a day dipping a bucket in a stream five miles away to get water because the environment's falling apart around you. And then he said, thirdly, and this is one of the biggest reasons, he said, because of people, people make you unhappy. You know, you have a friend that rips you off. You have a business partner, steals from you. You have somebody who betrays you, or somebody you're dating cheats on you. So these three big things are the main cause. And by the way, in my experience, for the most part, if you're under 70 years old, your biggest problem is the third one. Most of us don't live in an environment where we're about to get hit by a hurricane. Or Most of us, you know, your body's still working. But, man, everybody has problems with other people. So, Sigmund Freud said, look, there's eight ways that people try to deal with these three problems of life. And he goes through them. You should read it yourself. It's a little teeny book, Civilization is Discontents. But he says, for example, one of the ways people look for happiness is isolating themselves, becoming like monks, going to Nepal or Tibet and at a Tibetan monastery and getting away from people. You can't get screwed over if there's no people around you. Problem B, but Sigmund Freud says, look, game theory, life's not that simple. If you do that, yes, you will, you'll never get betrayed by somebody if you live in a 
in a cave alone because there's no people there. But you miss out on other forms of happiness like social happiness. So he says, okay, this is an incomplete solution. And then he says, some people turn to chemical chemicals. A lot of people drink. Probably 10% of the world is somewhat alcoholic or functional alcoholic. If you add in all the other chemicals between drugs, legal, and pharmaceutical, you're for sure at probably like 30% of planet Earth is using chemicals. But once again, Sigmund Freud says it's not the perfect solution to staying motivated and happy because drugs have side effects. It's like Robin Williams says in one of his last stand-ups. He said he was reading or listening to a commercial about a pharmaceutical company and one of the side effects was anal leakage. And he's like, uh, if I'm walking down the street and I'm leaking out my butt, he goes, that's more than a side effect. That is an effect. So segment four, he goes, chemical is not the solution. And then you have people that search for love. They go, love is the answer to all things. You know, if you can just find a relationship and fall in love, a lot of people fantasize about that. But he, but Sigmund Freud says, yeah, love and sex is maybe the, the peak of human happiness. But he said, you're never so sad. You're never so depressed as when your love object, that's what he calls it. When your love object leaves you and doesn't, your love is not reciprocated. So even then, he says, that third strategy to stay motivated, happy, and overcome life's problems, even that one doesn't work. So anyway, I'm not gonna go through all the eight ones that Sigmund Freud does. The point being is that using meditation as a way of solving your problems, going inward, is not an, a fully complete solution. A lot of people are gonna disagree with me, but just be logical. If it worked perfectly, then Every single person who does meditation would find absolute bliss. And humans have high variability, meaning you will see testimonials. And of course, those are the ones that are publicized of people who find love or use meditation and become much more motivated and happy. But that's, they're not reporting on all the people who try it and don't get good results. It's like to most testimonials, no one publishes unsuccessful testimonials. So they call that media bias where they show you then I'll show you the whole truth. So there, just remember, going inward is not the real only solution to happiness. It, it might be part of it, but a better way to stay motivated and happiness, in my experience with my personality type, is expanding or cultivating a social circle of people that's very carefully selected and doesn't have anybody in it that drags me down. One of my mentors, my second mentor in life, Alan Nation, who died now, sadly, but he, one of the big things, I was at a conference he had in Mississippi, and a little town called Jackson, Mississippi, I was there, I flew down, and it was just a small group he was speaking to, I don't know, 50 people, and he said, you know, I've been doing public speaking for 20, 30 years, he was in his 60s, and he goes, one thing I found, you could have the best, you could have an auditorium full of thousands of people loving your message, being excited, if one and ask you know raising their hands asking questions the vibe is good the energy of the room is good he said if one person raises their hand and is negative it literally sucks the air it sucks the good vibes out of the whole room negativity is very powerful it's more, that just look at the news if you go to your news app right now 90 percent minimum of the news you see 
is negative. And that's because in evolution, there's something called the negativity bias, meaning negative news is more important than positive news. I know people don't like to hear that, but it's true. Just think about it. The news that your neighbor loves your new wallpaper, is that as important as your neighbor yelling your house is on fire? No. So over time, over thousands of generations, humans have evolved to pay more attention to negativity because ignoring negativity is fatal. So if you think about evolution and genetics, everybody who ignored negative information basically has slowly died off, been killed by accidents, been killed by fire, so on. I'm oversimplifying evolution, but that's the basic process. And people who have been had more anxiety and paid more attention to negative things have survived. So my next point is remember that survival and happiness aren't always on the same plateau. Like to make more money in general, a lot of times you have to not focus on happiness as much because there's a horse here making winnowing, winning. Um, to make more money, you know, you see people talking about, oh, you got to grind and da 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 da, and you have to spend time away from your family and this. And and you, it's not completely true, but there is some truth. If you want to make an outlier uh, amount of money, you have to focus on it. And human focus is finite. If you focus on one thing, it means you're not focusing on another. It's it, my business partner Alex Mayer got his PhD in multi-objective optimization. And at, he basically said what he realized from his PhD is it's BS. It's not possible to have multi-objective optimization. You can't focus on 33 things at once. It's hard. So just understand that a lot of the goals you have in life, you're going to a little bit sacrifice happiness. The key is not sacrificing too much. Like It's all about balance. Some people get all so obsessed with money they forget they have zero percent focus on their health on their family on love life on enjoying the simple things and they're just like ebenezer scrooge you know focused on money but there is some truth to i for example steve balmer got to know him a little bit i had dinner with him and you know he he used to like look ty on my way to make $40 billion, be one of the top you know, 10 or 20 richest people alive, I had to sacrifice time with my son. My son played sports in high school, but he said what I did is I had an Excel spreadsheet and I made sure I went to a certain percentage of my son's game. He had like a very logical approach. So the point being is if he hadn't focused on being the CEO of Microsoft at the time, the biggest company in the world, he would have had more time for the little things that probably would have made him happier but he life's a trade-off anytime you see people and most advice you get the problem with almost every piece of advice you get in the world is very black and white people are like money can't bring you happiness or on the other extreme like money's all you need and then everything will get better like life's very complicated like that people say love is all you need the world just needs more love well it's not quite that simple it's kind of like the Old Testament in the Bible said, there's a time for everything. There's a time to love and a time to hate. There's a time to make peace and a time to go to war. And people don't like that message because it's simpler, takes less IQ to just understand a simplified message. Like, like take the current politics. Yeah, people go, build a wall, build a wall, build a wall, build a wall. That's the secret. The problem with America is too much illegal immigration. Well, okay, and then the flip side, people are like, no. 
open the borders, decriminalize it, let, uh, you know, let people in, even give them health benefits. And so that's the other extreme. And I can tell you almost always, I'm not a centrist per se, but in general, do you think either of those extremes are true? Is America's number one problem illegal immigration? I doubt it. But on the flip side, does it make sense to <laughs> take illegal immigrants and go, yeah, come on over and we're also going to give you full benefits? I mean, that you can actually go bankrupt if you think about a country like a, a company. You have finite resources. America doesn't have unlimited resources. Another great example of this, I was just reading an article today about minimum wage. So New York, want, there's people that want to raise the minimum wage to $20 because they go, look, you know, why exploit the young kid or, or person with less qualifications who works at Starbucks sitting there grinding away at 12 bucks an hour? It's not fair. That's one side of the equation. And the other side of the equation is like, wait a second. Um, if you raise minimum wage to 20 bucks, what do you think the owners of a coffee shop are going to do? They have limited money. They don't have unlimited. You think the profit on a, on a little coffee shop in New York is... $100 million? No, they, they, a lot of these coffee shops hardly net a hundred grand. So if you double their labor wages, guess what they do? The owner doesn't hire as many people, makes a few people work a lot harder. That happened with Bernie Sanders' campaign recently. He was like, you know, saying everybody should get a minimum wage, a living wage. And then his employ, his staffers did the math and were like, hey, we're making the equivalent of like 12 bucks an hour. And you said, you're campaigning on 15 bucks an hour. I guess my point is life's a game. Life's a trade-off. There's never straight line answers. And so when people tell you anything, when they say, okay, always be happy. And then this is my, my third point. You're not always going to be happy. And who cares? Like you have to detach a little bit because if you, have you ever been around somebody who's always motivated? They come off as very weirdo. It's almost like they're hopped up on coke or something like ooh, come on like you never want to be that person who's always motivated um but on the flip side we all know like debbie downer people that no matter what happens it's like okay like like so once again you're gonna have to play the trade-off game and that's the one thing they don't teach at school nobody talks about parents never talk about churches don't talk about I feel like I'm preaching to virgin ears. People are like, huh, what? Never really heard that message. Everything, all politics is like very non-trade-off-y. Like, it's way better for Brexit in England, or it's way better to not have Brexit. The truth is both of them are going to have serious consequences. So there's a saying, pick your poison. It's like Socrates was poisoned by hemlock, made to drink hemlock. It's kind of like, here's two poisons I'm going to put in front of your face. Hemlock or arsenic or cyanide? Which one? And people are arguing, no, 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 hemlock's way better. It's not as bad. Well, they all kill you. And at the end of the day, the way life works is everything's up and down. And it's always that way and always will be. So as soon as you come to grips with it, you get less stressed out. I think the more important in trying to be motivated and happy is trying to reduce stress. I think they're different. Like... So I'll give you an example. I know people who are happy and stressed. And I've, I know people who are unhappy and not stressed. Like somebody who lives in a little town, they don't have that much responsibility. 
but they just have this kind of self-imposed stress for no reason. And I know people who like live in New York City and they're trading in this. I was just, my business partner Alex just sold his company for $300 million, Zeusk, and we went to ring the bell. I went with them to ring the bell on the New York Stock Exchange last Friday. And uh, they have, you know, it used to be an open outcry system where people were like yelling, buying stocks, but now it's all computerized. But it's a very hectic job. And we were talking to one of the market makers. The market maker for their Spark Networks LOV stock is, is a company called Citadel, a very famous hedge fund. But Citadel also has a security division. And they, they make the market, if you know what a market maker is, on the stock that Alex uh, owns and went public or did a merger with. Um, and so that guy reminded me of somebody who was happy but stressed. I could see it on his face. He's like, sometimes he wakes up in the middle of the night being like, did I execute this trade right and all that stuff? So I wouldn't want to be him. So I focus less on happiness because I feel like happiness, sometimes you should be unhappy. I feel like it's weird to never be unhappy. Like if your mom dies, should you be happy and motivated that day? No, that's not a, that would be a weird response. In fact, the police might uh, suspect you are a suspect in the murder or in your parents death if you're like imagine your mom dies or a family member dies the police come for whatever reason and you're all like "Woo! great day super excited <laughs> i'm always motivated man i'm always happy i do my meditation app and i do my stuff and I'm, people the police are going to be like uh suspect number one you should be crying if your family member dies so what I think is most important in life is reducing stress. This, so my answer to this big question is, instead of focusing on motivation, which I do think you wanna be motivated, but if you, stress is a killer boy. Stress kills a lot. Stress, stress destroys more things than lack of motivation. Because um, I know motivated people who are highly stressed and it just tears them apart, both physically and mentally and socially in every way so try to find a social circle going back to what i said at the beginning that's very it's full of non-stressed out people if you're an anxious person anxiety and stressed state are almost synonyms um i would try to find one of the problems with anxious people and people that aren't motivated is for some reason they love surrounding themselves with other anxious people every anxious person i know like their whole social circle is like highly anxious people. And I'm going, uh, this is backwards. So build a social circle of non-stressed people. And I'll tell you this simple, practical way. In my experience, I can tell people's stress level by how, I call it the jolly factor. You know, like Santa Claus is like jolly. He's like, ho, 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 ha, ha, ha. People who can laugh at themselves, who laugh a lot, but not like in a weird way not like at other people, but just jolly. Things roll off their back. And Dr. David Buss, my, one of my mentors, uh, he calls this, uh, he has a term for it. So basically, it's, reg it's reverting to the mean. So it's, called, it's emotional stability it is what you want to look for in your social circle. That will help you be motivated, happier, less stressed out, less anxious. So basically, you have this baseline. So imagine this example. Take five of your closest friends. You're driving in a car and um, somebody cuts them off. They're driving, right? They're cut off by like a rude driver. One of your friends gets mad 
they go above their baseline, like their baseline happiness is like, let's say one to 10 is like a six. And let's say, let's say 10 is super unhappy or super stressed and one is not stressed at all. So let's say they're normally a five. They go up to like, everybody gets stressed if they get cut off. It's a natural, you can't turn that part of your brain off. So you, they, get, they go up to like an eight. What Dr. Buss told me is some people stay at an eight for like 24 hours, they're mad. And some people are mad for like 10 seconds and then forget about it and come back down. So you want those emotionally stable people who when something shakes them up and they go off the baseline, that they come right back down relatively soon, depending on what the event is. Like, so like, and you see that in people with trauma, like a lot of people get abused growing up and some people just are fine and other people are in therapy for the rest of their life and can hardly function. I saw this video of this guy I was watching, I don't know if you've seen him, it's called The Bagel Boss. And he's, and he's this dude who had like this mental breakdown mad at women and it got 50 million views on YouTube recently because he was yelling at women and going, because he's four foot 11 and he's like, women always make fun of me on dating sites and all this. And I was thinking, because there was, I feel bad for the guy because he got bullied. But there's some, think of Peter Dinklage in Game of Thrones, right? So Peter Dinklage is shorter than 4'11". I don't know how tall he is, but he's probably like four foot four or something. Peter Dinklage had the same experience, I'm sure, of women or people making fun of him for being short as this bagel boss guy did. But Peter Dinklage, instead of being so emotionally damaged, he just became like the most famous actor in the world. Like seriously, he's one of the highest paid actors for sure. One of the most, oh, Game of Thrones is the most watched show in human history. Okay, because there's 7 billion people on the planet and I don't know how many people watch Game of Thrones, but it's like 500 million people or whatever. So there's never been a TV show that had in one season that many viewers. And he's literally one of the main characters. And he went through the same problems as the bagel boss but he somehow had this, and you know, some of it's genetic, some of it's environmental, some it's nature, some it's nurture, a lot of it's genetic, by the way. But he was able to cope enough to, and you know what? Women like him. I guarantee you, Peter Dinklage, well, I've seen, you know, you see like little TMZ things, he's out on dates with hot girls. So same thing, two, two people had trauma, unfair things happen to them. I mean, neither one of them asked to be born like that. And one person, look at Helen Keller. It's insane. Helen Keller was born blind, deaf, and dumb. Like most of her senses she didn't have because of common senses that we have. But she wrote more, I mean, she's written more books than anyone you and I know, more than we have. She turned it around and she became, so some people are more emotionally stable even though they have a lot of stuff. So if you're not an emotionally stable person, you better spend a lot of your time hunting down, searching, and befriending in a normal way, by the way. Not literally hunting down, but I'm just saying as a joke. Like finding the most emotionally stable people in the world. They will motivate you, they'll keep you happy or help you be happier, they'll lower your stress. So to me, the most important of the Sigmund Freud ways to find what you want is your social circle. There's a good book called um, Social by this Lieberman. He's a UCLA professor. I actually interviewed him once. And he did extensive brain scans on humans. And he said, man, I can tell you this. Humans are extremely social. Extreme, like all your dreams, you never dream like about a rock. 
you always dream about people. People are in our dreams because our whole hardwiring of our brain is just people, people, people. If you look at all these mass shooters, almost every one of them, like literally every single one I've read about was an isolated loner that was ostracized. And so I don't know the solution to mass shooting. Some people say gun control. Some people say mental health. I would be like social, man. If people don't have friends growing up, we all knew in high school those kids that were super isolated and you would look at them and be like, this person might kill a lot of people. Well, that's what happens. So if you're a parent, make sure your kids have friends no matter what. <laughs> Buy friends. <laughs> Not literally, but like whatever you got to do to find friends and don't find the weirdest people as your friends. I'm not talking about weird. There's good weird and bad weird. Good weird is like Albert Einstein was good weird. He was like hair was crazy, but bad weird is like mass shooters. So if you're weird a little bit, if you're anxious, if you have low emotional stability, don't just think, okay, I've got my friends, you know, we all wear trench coats and like study satanic images every day together. That doesn't count as a social circle. Find people that are emotionally normal. That when stuff happens to them, they don't fully fall apart. And people, whenever I say this, are like, Ty, but then who's gonna be friends with the people who aren't emotionally stable? The emotionally stable people. There's actually a book called Attached by these psychologists about attachment theory, and they agree, there's science to agree with what I'm saying. There's three types of romantic attachments. There are really four, but there's anxious, attached, and secure, and there's also, I'm sorry, anxious, avoidant, and secure. And um, basically the answer is everybody should date a secure. So if you're anxious or if you're an avoidant, you should still date a secure. And there's enough secures to go around that everybody can at least have one secure friend. Same with your regular social circle outside of romance. There's enough normal people to go around. Make sure all your friends aren't emotionally insane, seriously, or you can have a bad life. Anyway, I'm at the end of my walk. Uh, leave me a, a review slash comment on what I should talk about next. Thank you.